Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Afternoon, it is a pleasure for Laya and myself to be here this this afternoon to, to share God's word with you. My name is Shola, and once again, this is Laya, my wife. Can we pray together? Father, thank you for the privilege to share your word. And thank you because the words that you speak, they are spirit and they are life. They will not return to you empty, but they will go forth to accomplish the purpose for which you please. And they will prosper in that which you have spoken it for. May the picture that we see in Scripture, the biblical blueprint of marriage, may that picture be imprinted in our minds, in our memories, each one here, irrespective of the state that we are in. Single, married, divorced, widowed, whatever state we're in, may the picture of marriage that you have painted for us in your word. May that picture remain for the rest of our lives. And may we be beacons of that picture in the environment around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may sit, my dear. Um, Yes, it is is always a privilege to, to share God's word Um, with his people, and this morning we're going to be sharing on friendship in marriage, which is part of the Redefined series. Um, I'm an academic, as many of you would know, so I'm hoping that you have your pens and your papers with you, because we are going to do some multiple choice questions. Okay, we're we're going to play a few games during today's message. So, week one, friends with benefits. Question, what do my friendships look like, A or B? Okay, you don't have to mutter. Remember, this is an exam venue, so you're not supposed to mutter the answers. You mustn't even mutter it to the person beside you. A or B, and that really was the summary of the message on week one. What do my friendships look like? Are my friendships friendships with commitment? Are they sensual or sexual in nature? Are they selfish and exploitative? Or are my friendships friendships that are affirming, honoring, and purposeful? Proverbs 17.7 says, A friend loves at all times but a brother is born for adversity. Question two, week two, friend zoned. What are the ground rules in my friendship zone? Is the question, A or B? Are the ground rules in my friendship zone, are they based on how I feel so? I welcome you if I feel like I like you, or I zone you. 
out if I don't <laughs> like you? Or are my friendships based on my love for God, my love for myself, and my love for others? If you ticked B on both counts, you're on the right track. So, week three, friendship in marriage. Now, I'd like to speak to the sermon team to say, this title feels a bit boring, doesn't it? Week one, it was friends with benefits. Week two, it was friend zone. Week three is friendship in marriage. Laya and I thought, but maybe we could find a cliche out there because when you Google friends with benefits, there is something on the internet about that conventionally. When you, when you Google friend zone, there's something on the internet. When you Google friendship in marriage, it kind of, the internet kind of goes a bit awry on you. We are really grateful that we have the privilege to be speaking about friendship in marriage because it is something that God continues to challenge us regarding as a couple. And we've been married, we've known ourselves, we've been friends for 23 years and we've been married for 19. And, and it, thank you. And it continues to be a journey that God challenges us to in terms of friendship. So we are going to be speaking about a few uh, over 16 issues, and we're glad that we are talking about it in the house of God. We feel it's important that the blueprint is communicated in the house of God without needing to excuse ourselves. So, we will be using the SEX word. Uh, should you have children, um, you can cover their ears at that point. I can imagine what would happen when a two-year-old, as you're driving home in the car, says, Mom, what is? So, I leave you to the answer to that question. God help you. So, um, I love the colors. <laughs> we have sex, the adventure, devotion, and the wedding. So, we're going to play a game. Right? Some of us are married, some of us are single, you know, some of us are. But we're going to answer a question here. In order of magnitude, okay, when you think or when you thought, referring to those that are married, so we're looking at pre-marriage, in order of magnitude, when you think or when you thought about marriage, what excites you the most out of the four? Do not mutter the answer to your father. <laughs> Whether you're married or not. <laughs> and I'm going to ask Shola the same question as well. Maybe we could share a bit from you know, our experience. Can I move Shola from here? 
and move him there. Would you like to share in other of magnitude? What do you think? What was your thoughts about marriage? Are you sure what you want excited to hear my, you the most? Are you sure you want to hear my answer, my dear? Certain. I'm sure we all want to hear Are you hear sure his you answer? want to hear my answer? <laughs> all right. I'm not shy. Here is my answer. <laughs> Good question, TM. As you can see, what excited me the most when I thought about marriage as a single guy was sex. Why? Because I was looking forward to intimacy with my fiance. I was I was looking forward to it. I think I should stop there. I was really <laughs> looking forward to it. And why is the green box, which is the wedding, why is it the smallest? Very simply. It felt like a hassle to think about the wedding. The money, dealing with my family expectations, possibly my in-law expectations as a single person, the preparations, the, I thought, ah, this is what I'm, I'm not going to be excited about the most. Okay, my dear, I'm sitting, I'm standing, you are sitting. In order of magnitude, when you thought about our marriage, what excited you the most? Mine is simple. Wow. <laughs> I think for me, um, the most exciting thoughts you know, that I had in mind was the adventure. Um, Shola and I courted for four years while he was here and I was in Nigeria. We had interesting times together in terms of communicating because I think holistically within the four years of us being apart, we probably only saw ourselves for a couple of months. Um, we were ingenious in terms of how we communicated. We were ingenious about what we communicated. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, and I looked forward to the adventure and the unfolding of other things, you know, that would happen as we spent time and joked and laughed together in marriage. So for me, the smallest, tiniest triangle there... <laughs> Me. Um, <laughs> the sex, um, I must say, I tried not to think about it, so that's why it's so tiny. Um, but in, in, in order of, you know, thoughts and expectations, and I think the greatest for me was the adventure that I looked forward to. But why are we talking about this? You know, when we started off, we highlighted four different triangles. It's the adventure, it's devotion, um, it's the wedding, and it's sex. Um, but the four of them, the four triangles, actually have its place in the context of marriage. The four triangles are intertwined, and the four triangles, you know, is knit together in such a way that 
builds up and encompasses what it is that we believe that God had in mind, you know, when he created marriage. And we would like to talk about the fact that, you know, God himself is the one that instituted marriage. He's the one, he's the author of it. He had a picture in his mind and he had something that he wanted to fulfill by creating marriage. And we would, you know, many times when we speak to couples, especially during um, pre-marriage, we try to take them to the blueprint of what it was that we believe God had in mind when he created marriage. And today we would like to briefly step on that or go into that as we now proceed into what it is that we can now do or what we have learned as a couple over the years um, in, in terms of what it is to enrich the relationship and to you know, learn as we proceed. Okay, so let's look at the biblical blueprint for marriage. What is marriage? What is the purpose of marriage? Why did God create marriage? The first mention of this relationship is in Genesis 1, where God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. When God created man, it was undoubted that he was the creator of man. When Adam came onto the scene, and Eve came onto the scene, there wasn't a question about their origin. And over the last two weeks, there's been an emphasis on identity. Who am I? Who are you? I'm a child of God. I am loved by God. I am affirmed by God. I am chosen by God. He has released me as a light into this world. He loves me. He knew me even before I was in my mother's womb. I am magnificently created. I believe this is your story. If it is, say amen. Amen. Now, in addition to that, is the fact that I love him. So not only do I know who I am, I'm in love with the one who created me. When one looks at the triangle, the perfect triangle that, we've, that we are articulating this, this, this afternoon, it's an equilateral triangle, which means that all sides are equal. Those of you who remember your mathematics. It is all sides of the triangle are of equal length. And that is the way God created it when he created relationships. That our relationships can be based on the principle of the equilateral triangle. So, I'm whole as an individual, as a single person. How many single, person in, single persons in the house? Just Okay, wonderful. I am single, I'm satisfied. I'm content in myself. I do not need another person to make me whole. That is the story of my singleness. In my relationship, I meet Liar, and she's equally in that state of mind. Now, what that means in terms of the equilateral triangle is that we are both climbing our sides of the equilateral triangle. Yes, because I'm passionate about God, and she's passionate about God. 
And what is unique about that situation is if you notice, the closer we are to our maker, the closer we are to one another. And it doesn't have to be in a marriage relationship. So singles don't check out. It can apply to our other relationships. That the closer we are to God, the closer we are to one another. Now, the second scripture is Genesis 2.15, and we're just going to skip a few scriptures. It says, Then the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and guard it. Just to mention, ladies, single ladies, it is a disaster to get involved with a guy who is not on a mission. It is such a disaster to get involved with a man who doesn't know where he's going. Adam knew why he was here. Scripture says it. He was meant to be a gardener. Yes. What was his job? To transplant the Garden of Eden to the rest of the world. That was his job. So there was purpose. And it's important that we recognize that true friendship is friendship that is couched within the context of security, which is identity, and certainty, which is purpose. The next triangle is the adventure. Genesis 2, verse 18 and 23, it says, I will make a suitable companion to help him. 23 says, at last, here is one of my own kind, bone taken from my bone and flesh from my flesh, Woman is her name because she was taken out of man. Now, three quick comments. Friendship, which is integral to marriage, is a journey. It is not a destination. Marriage is not a destination. The wedding is. You start the wedding, you end the wedding, it's done. Marriage is not a destination. It's a journey. And therefore, when we get into it, we should see it as a journey. It's a journey of friendship. The second is that it is an adventure. It is an adventure of peaks, valleys, plains. CJ was here last week talking about marriage is hard. Singleness is hard. <laughs> Life is hard. Yeah. Choose your hard. <laughs> it's an adventure. Laya and I, we've had great times. We've also had some bad times. Just to be candid, it's not all rosy. We've also had some ugly times. I'm not sure if you've watched, you know, my generation, we watched the Western movie, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. We've had our share of life in this 19 years. It's not been all rosy. I haven't woken up every day looking at Laya and she is such beauty and kissable and not every day of my life. Yes, most of the days of my life I woke up, I look at her and I think, wow, I'm truly honored to be married to this beautiful woman. So it's an adventure. And thirdly, it's a tool. 
Marriage is a tool to help you. It says in Genesis 2, it says, and let us make, I will make him a suitable companion to help him. In some version it says, and I will make him a helper suited for him. In the, in, in the, in the original translation, Oza, Hebrew, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, the, the root word for help is Oza, which means to surround. I will make him someone to surround him, which speaks to protect him, to aid him, to succor him. And succor is only used during times of grief. Hi. <laughs> All right, I'm speaking to you. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Okay, quickly, and I'm going to run through these two slides very quickly. The third triangle is about the wedding. The part I was, more ex was the least excited about. It says, that is why in Genesis 2.24, a man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife and they become one. We are convinced of scripture that marriage is three things in our society today. The first is our vows before one another. Malachi 2 speaks about God being a witness of our vows to one another. Yeah. Therefore, we must not violate those vows. And that's why it's important that when we talk about the wedding, we are talking about these three things. The first being our vows and God's blessings through his, his, his minister or ministers present. The second is the family blessing, which is Lobola, and that is evidenced in Genesis 24 with, um, with, um, with Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, uh, looking for a, a wife for Isaac. And the third is to meet governance requirements. The Department of Home Affairs requires that the marriage register be signed. So, those are the three pillars of the wedding. And the last triangle speaks to sex. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. <laughs> I have no other words. <laughs> it says in Genesis 2.25... It says the man and the woman were both naked, but they were not embarrassed. And the men say? Amen. So, here is the arrangement and the process. It is all encapsulated, like Laya had said earlier. They are all important components of marriage for which friendship is a tread through it, or through, through them. Here is the picture. Individuals contenting themselves in their identity with a mission for God, connecting with one another because they are friends. They like one another. They enjoy one another. They are affirmed, being with one another, and through this, there is electricity, there's chemistry with one another. 
and they decide to make a lifelong covenant to live with one another and fulfill God's purpose for one another and enjoy the pleasure of intimacy together. That is friendship, true marriage. So, um, Shana has just gone through a brief 25 minutes <laughs> of what marriage actually is and how friendship is interwoven into the tapestry of what marriage is. Um, but the second part that we would like to look at is, so how do we sustain this relationship? How do we sustain this friendship? How do we develop? How do we build it? How do we trust the Lord to walk this adventure and journey together for a lifetime? Um, we would normally, you know, speak to the pre-marriage group when we meet with them about, you know, the same set of triangles that we've spoken about today, obviously in the context of now you're merging and coming together. Um, but the truth is that the center and the context of the triangle is applicable virtually for life within the context of marriage, within the context of the relationships that we have. And even as an individual, you can take bits and pieces of those and move it forward in your relationship to enhance it and bring the beauty of the Lord into it. So the question for us is, what are some of the areas that we have been learning? What is it that the Lord has been teaching us and what has, have we learned over time um, in our marriage? And we would like to share a few of those with you. The first is, we would say, be learning. Um, I hear this statement quite a lot when you know, people say, uh, this person is no longer the person that I married. You know, he's, he or she is so different from the person I married 20 years ago. But that's great, because within 20 years, it's important that the person changes. You don't want the person to be stagnant and still be the same person. Mm. But the truth is, in what way is the person changing? Every day we evolve. Every day we change. Um, I'm looking at the scripture here that speaks about how Christ, you know, um, how Christ links with the church or how he relates with the church. Scripture says in Ephesians that the Lord washes us, you know, with the word. So even in our relationship with the Lord, we get to be washed. And when something is washed, what happens? There's a transformation, there's an evolution that happens. And the same thing happens in our relationship. As we move in life as individuals, we evolve, we change. We rub off on ourselves and we evolve. We rub off on what happens around us. We experience life and that changes us. So which means as we change, it's important as well for us to note that we are evolving, but we also need to learn what it is you know, that is happening and what we're changing into and what is changing within us. So we say be learning, but as we're evolving, let's evolve together. Let's learn together. Let's share what is transforming or what is going on in our minds and what it is that the Lord is sharing with us so that as I evolve, as Shola evolves, we're evolving together and we're changing together. 
One aspect of the evolution is, um, you know, as we live together and get to know ourselves, we begin to discover there's this great aspect of who Shola is. And maybe I love like the 90% of who he is, but there's this like 10% I'm like, "Mm," sometimes that grates on my nerves because we are all transforming, we are all changing, we are all in the process, you know, of changing and the Lord is working on us. But what I would say is, let's emphasize the good. Let's emphasize the portion, the 90%, so to say, you know, that we see. And let's trivialize the 10%. We're not saying it's not there, but there was an analogy that someone gave me several years when I was in high school to say, you know the scripture that speaks about take out the speck in your eye so that you can see. Um, And the person spoke about a dot on the wall. It's a dot in the context of the whole wall. But the more you look at the dot and focus on it, eventually all you will see is the dots. But within context, it's just a dot on the wall. Hmm. And that's why I would say, let's trivialize the 10%, but let's emphasize the good. Let's trivialize the weaknesses and emphasize the good. It doesn't take away from the fact that if there's a challenge, that we need to address it. Hmm. If there's a challenge, we need to talk about it. And if it's something that is growing beyond us and we're unable to handle it between ourselves, then we seek for help. We need to be learning of ourselves. We need to emphasize the good. We need to trivialize the weaknesses. In terms of challenges, identify and let's deal with it. If we're unable to deal with it between ourselves, let's seek for help. Thank you, my dear. I thought I only had 1% and 99%. Number two, relieving and creating together memories. It is important that we create memories because life is all about memories. In fact, this is something that I've been learning about and relearning, which is that When Laya and I have a difficult moment or a difficult season, I need to replace those memories with good memories. I need to look, consciously look for good memories in order to either replace the old ones, obviously there's often a residual, but what we can do is create good memories that can dampen the sourness of the old memories. One thing we do during pre-marriage is we ask our couples, the couples we work with during the first time we meet, we say, tell us your story. Now, the reason why we do so is because the stories reignite the feelings that existed when those memories were happening. And not only do we ask the couples about their stories, we also tell them our stories because we also want our memories and our feelings to be ignited. What a joy when a couple, when you've had a a meeting with a couple and you look at yourselves after the meeting with a couple and you're so glad that you can relieve those memories. 
but it's also important, not just relieving the old memories, but creating new memories. Three, serving together. Remember, there is a mission. You were brought here for a purpose. There is no one on earth without a purpose. And the purpose of marriage, since we're talking about marriage, is to take, just like it's the purpose for each individual, is to take the model of the Garden of Eden and transplant it to the rest of the world. Whatsoever environment you are, you are a missionary. You may not recognize it, but as you pray over it, God will give you insights how to reach your environment and make it the Garden of Eden that he intended. And the last huh? the last we would like to look at is be accountable. Um, generally, we would say when you come onto the pre-marriage program that you need to pick a marriage mentor to walk with you, guide you. You know, you chat together, you share life together. Um, but just as it's important pre-marriage, it's equally important in marriage. We need to be accountable. We need to get people who can speak into our lives. We need to get people who can challenge us. People who can tell us, uh-uh, Sissy, not in that direction. But then at the same time, people who can pray over you. Um, I'm reminded of the story of the crippled man in Mark chapter 2. Um, his friends brought him to Jesus. They stood outside and saw the crowd, but that didn't discourage them. They went into, on top of the roof of someone else's house and broke it, just because they needed to take this friend to Jesus. I call them mat carriers, friends that will stand with you, that will speak into your life, that will pray over you, that will cover you. And there are times that we need that. And I would like to use the opportunity to acknowledge my friend, or our friend, Ms. Lamini, um, one of those that speaks into our marriage. You know, people that we sit down with and share and we rub minds. Scripture speaks about iron sharpening iron. Um, it's important that we have such people in our lives. As much as it's important for the married, it's important for the single. Mm. But we need to also be careful about people who are speaking into our lives as well. They must be people that are speaking life, mm. not people that are speaking destruction. There must be people that are covering you and lifting you before the altar of the Lord, not to bring segregation or to bring you down. Amen. Thank you, my dear. Can we stand together and pray? I suspect some of you may have thought, am I in a classroom or in church? <laughs> but it truly is an honor to, to be just sharing about friendship in marriage. And we know that during this season, uh, for many couples it's been difficult because we've not experienced the closeness in proximity as what the season has, has brought upon us. So we'd like to encourage our couples here to just join us as we pray. And we'd like to pray for single people here. There might be single people who say, well, I don't intend to get married. That's fine. 
That is a, a choice that each one needs to make. But whatsoever state that you're in, God calls us to wholeness. God calls us to wholeness. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for, for friendship. You place friends in our lives that life may be sweet, that the journey through life may be filled with companionship and encouragement and help. We just pray for each one here who is struggling in that place of friendship. Give them peace. Help them to see you through the season that they're in. We pray for marriages here that are going through a tough time. Open their eyes to see through your eyes what you see in their marriage. And help them to see that friendship is key. In the timeline of marriage, it's all about friendship. From devotion to the adventure to the wedding to intimacy it is all about friendship help them to see through the lenses of friendship and to invest in those lenses father we pray that should there be anyone here today who has not given their heart to you that this would be an opportunity i just like to just make a call if you're here today and you're wondering what is happening why are we talking about friendship? Why are we talking about marriage? What is relationship with God all about? And you want to make a personal commitment to Jesus. You want to experience what he designed for you. You want to experience this passion for him, this identity, this security in knowing that he is Lord. Can you just signify to me? It's not an embarrassing moment. It's a significant moment for any person to give their hearts to the Lord who made them. Is there anyone here who would like to just raise their hands and say, I want to reconnect with my maker? Anyone? Anyone? Anyone here? You can just raise your right hand if not. Okay, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Each one here is blessed because they're in relationship with you. And thank you because you're with us on this journey of life. We pray that our friendship zone will be guided by our love for you, our love for ourselves, and our love for others the way you love them. We're so grateful for another wonderful day of learning and growing. In Jesus' name, amen.